welcome back to another episode of I Need Answers. We're going strong. Today we're going to talk about chapter 4 of the book, Getting Right with God. Hopefully you've been following along for the previous podcast and you've been able to learn something. Uh, This podcast is really created, as I said before, for those who've read the book and are trying to get a little bit more out of it. Um, With that being said, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. We have a lot of things to talk about and I hope you guys are excited and ready to hear the word of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Holy, holy, holy is your name, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for bringing us together yet for another week to hear about your name, to glorify you, and to understand better about our faith. We ask you that you bless all the people listening to this podcast, bless their day, their family, and all of their loved ones. And I ask you, God, that you give me the ability to speak and use me as a vessel and accept my services that I offer up unto you. Through the intercessions of the Most Holy Theotokos and all of the saints, for blessed are you unto ages and ages forever. Amen. All right, let's get to it. We have a lot of things to talk about, and I think this is perhaps one of the chapters where things get real, things get personal. So for the past several chapters, you know, I was answering like questions, but it wasn't a personal answer. It was just, this is what the answer of the church is. And this is why we believe in what we believe in. In this chapter, I'm still answering the questions of how to get right with God. How do we get right with God? But I do it in a way that's very personal. I share my experience with others and the hope that people get something out of it. I believe that you know, when we're getting old, there there comes a point in our lives. Everybody, every everybody goes through this, where they they begin to to really ask, "Who is God?" And more importantly, "What is my relationship with God?" And what does it look like? What should it look like? And I think these are very good questions. Of course, when we're young, uh, we don't really. Th- think too much of it. We all had some form of a relationship with God when we were young. But that relationship was just a simple one, right? It was just like we we went to church and we sang Mazmur or whatever it is and, and, and we did the things that we were told and we didn't really think too much of it. It's kind of like our relationship with our parents when we were young. It's a very simple relationship. It's not like we we don't think too much of it. We love our like we love our parents when they give us what we want and we are mad at them when they punish us. It was as simple as that. And you know, but like a five year old child would never really take the time to know his his mother's uh, hobbies or the things that, you know, the mom likes to do and the things that the mom doesn't like to do and all this stuff. Like, no, no five-year-old child really thinks about this. He's just happy when they get gifts, mad when they get punished. And that's kind of our relationship with God when we were young, isn't it? Like, we know that God is there, but our relationship with Him is... There's a set of commandments that we're told to obey and and we do it. And that's as far as we know about God. And our job is really to make him happy. But when we get old, we begin to realize that we don't really know God 
and I believe this is like like the natural course of life, right? You begin to ask questions like, wait a minute, who is God? And we do the same thing with our parents, by the way, don't we? Like, once we get old, we want to understand them more than we did as a five-year-old child. And we want to know, okay, what are the things that makes our parents happy? And we begin to ask them questions. Tell me about the time when you were a kid. What, what, what were the things that you used to like to do? We, we, we want to like know, who is this person that raised me? That, that changed my diapers. Like, I want to take the time to get to know these things. And of course, most of us have the same questions about God. Who really is God? The same way that we are curious about God, we should take the time to get to know God. In fact, I make the point in the book that it's not just important to ask important the, the, the main questions about God, but it's necessary for our spiritual life. It's necessary to ask these deep questions about what does God even exist? Who is he? And what is my relationship like with him? Because as I point out, and I think we've talked about this in the past, as Christians, we're expected to be followers of Jesus. But how can we follow someone whom we don't know? It's kind of like saying if you were walking down the street, and you saw, you know, a guy driving a car and said, hey, get in the car. And he's a stranger. Would you get in the car and just follow him? No. Some of you guys are probably saying, what about Uber? I do that. I'm not talking about Uber or Lyft or anything like that. I'm talking about like a real stranger. Would we like just get in a random car and then get around? Would we follow a person around that we don't know the answer is no. But of course, we want to do that with God. And if you're having a hard time in your spiritual quest, this is probably the issue, isn't it? All right. This is probably the issue. The issue is we just don't know God and therefore we have a hard time following him. So the point is that we must do our very best to to get to know God. Now, in the case of getting to know our parents... Um, if we want to get to know our parents, what do we do? We go to our parents and we simply ask them, right? Like if I want to know my dad or if I want to know my mom, I'm going to have a conversation with my mom and my dad. I'm not going to Google them, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to like read a book about them. The same way that if I want to know God, I have to go and ask him directly, who are you, God? Not watch a documentary, not watch whatever. And we could do all these things. That's fine. But the first step is to stop and ask God directly who he is. And I believe that some of us have a hard time doing that. And that's why the quest of finding God is a bit more difficult than we expected it to be. Having said that, I think everybody's journey is different to finding God. Some people will tell you that it was one night they prayed and they had a relationship with God. And that's it. Some people will take them longer. Some people will tell you it's easy. Some people will tell you it's hard. And that's all acceptable because the journey to finding God is going to be different and unique for every single person. But all journeys, all journeys to finding God ought to begin with a prayer. And the end will be of course, finding God. But the way to get there, that course is going to be zigzag, it's going to be straight, it's going to be short, it's going to be long, it's going to be wide. 
And it's all different. In this chapter, chapter four, getting right with God, I share my story in the hope that someone listening, someone reading is able to learn from my personal journey to finding God. This is my story. As I've said before, I grew up in the Ethiopian Orthodox Sahara Church all my life. In fact, I remember in the Sunday school, I was known as the guy hitting kabaro. I was the kabaro kid. And like, you were like, oh, okay, well, that's not special. Everybody hits kabaro. But back back in the day, it, was, it wasn't that common. There was like a selected few people and I would always go there. And I, like, I loved Mazmur and all this stuff. But again, my understanding of God was simple. It wasn't really like, like really deep or anything like that. And and, you know, I, I grew up like that. And by the time I was about to graduate high school, I was already teaching uh, Sunday school. I had no idea what I was doing. But, you know, that's kind of I was really beginning to be active in the church and taking more and more roles and responsibilities. And then by the time I graduated high school, I was getting ready to go to college. I, I was I was faced with a serious problem. Here's what the problem was. I knew what college was about. I went to college. I went to Virginia Tech. It was five hours away from my hometown. Um, and I knew, like, it's in the middle of a mountain, like, nothing to do there. Like, literally nothing to do. And I've heard of college and what that college life is really about. Partying, drinking, girls, all this stuff. You know, I talk about partying is code word for, for gatherings, right? Gatherings, because you gather at a party and then you do other wild stuff and I, I was you know and and and, and I, I was scared I was really tr- truly scared and I I wasn't scared like other 12th graders getting ready to go to college I was scared in a different way I was scared about my spiritual life because here's the thing as I was getting ready to uh g- getting more involved in the church and all that stuff spiritually, I knew in my mind, I just wasn't ready to tackle the temptations that college would bring into my life. I wasn't ready to fight off the temptations of of girls, fight off the temptations of drinking and partying and all this stuff. And I remember sitting there really scared, like, how in the world am I going to be able to fight off these demons and these temptations? And I said to myself, this is a conscious decision I made. And I remember back then I said, you know what, I'm going to go to college. And because I don't want to worry about this stuff of like how I'm going to fight off these temptations, I'm going to pause my spiritual life. Like I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about what's wrong, what's right, whatever. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do me, right? And as some of you young folks might say, I was about that life. <laughs> you understand? So I went there and I became a college student. And my whole thought process was like, you know what? I'm just going to do what like what college students do. And I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to just have fun and, and, and all these sort of things. And as I tell this story, and I've told this story before, people laugh. People are laugh like, who says <laughs> that they're going to pause their, their spiritual life? My, my goal was I was going to do college. And when I returned from college, once I graduated, I was going to go back into the church and be all this good guy and all this stuff. And people are like, who makes these type of decisions? Like, who thinks like that? And my response is, well, a lot of people. 
a lot of people. And I, I think I may have articulated it a little bit differently than most folks, but I think the mindset is essentially the same. Have you ever heard of people saying, I'll go to church when I get older or I'll confess when I get older? I mean, this is the same idea, right? Let me live a little right now. Let me just do me. And then once I get it out of my system, when I'm old, I'll submit my life to God. What's worse is there's some parents who encourage their kids not to take Holy Communion for the same purpose. Oh, you're young now. What if you mess up? What if, you know, you go back to sin? What if you do this and all this stuff? And then because of that, parents actually encourage their kids not to come closer to God. This is the same concept. Of course, it's funny when you articulated it differently, but the idea is the same. Please allow me to take this idea a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. Notice the first problem in my logic. I loved sin. That was the problem. The problem is not even like what I was doing. The problem is that I loved the sin. I enjoyed it. Let me, let me explain. Uh, most people, if you're driving and you're young, um, you'd know that drinking and driving is bad, right? Like, like if you saw your friend like really, really drunk and they were about to get behind the wheel, you would stop them. Most people would. But my question is why? Like, why do you not drink and drive? Is it because it's illegal? Or is it because it's bad and it's dangerous? And I think the answer is it's because it's dangerous. Like if your friend was drunk and there was no cops around and you knew there was no cops around, would you still let them drive? I think the answer is no, right? You wouldn't. And the motivation for not drinking and driving is knowing the consequence of of drinking and driving. You know it's dangerous. You know people can die from it. You understand this inherently. Whether or not it's, it's legal or illegal is not, it's not your motivation. Well, at least I hope it's not. We need to treat sin the same way. And I don't think we do. A lot of the time, especially young folks, stay away from sin simply because they think God said we shouldn't do this. Like, why do you not drink? God said we can't drink. God said we can't smoke. God said we can't fornicate. God said we can't do this. The motivation for avoiding sin shouldn't be because God told us. It's because we inherently should understand that these things, which God happened to say it's, it's bad for us, it's, it's, it's really bad. It's not just because it's a sin because God said it. It's actually bad for us. It hurts as your body is a temple, you shouldn't ruin your temple, the temple of God. Every time we put substance into our body, whether that's smoking, whether that's excessive drinking, whatever the idea is, we are ruining the temple which God has given us and honored us with. It is for this reason we should stay away from sin. Not simply because God said it was wrong, but we should understand inherently the things that which we are doing is hurting our bodies and it is not good to do that for our own selves, right? That That is the motivation. If you love sin, if you're enjoying the sin, it's going to be hard to stay away from it. But if you understand that what you're doing is harmful to your body, then you have a better motivation to stay away from it. The second problem is I think more widespread. It's a bigger issue. And that's, I just wasn't prepared spiritually. I didn't have a good advisor at the time. I didn't have somebody mentoring me at the time. 
I didn't feel comfortable uh, enough to talk about my, my issues with my parents in high school. I did in college, but not in high school. And, 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 and these things really kind of like, you know, bother me. And I think if you're listening to this, you happen to be a Sunday school teacher, you, you, you can make a difference in your local church. Please, please talk to young folks. Of course, if you've been to church in the past, I don't know, like 10 years, you would notice that the church is composed of children and really old people. The people in the 20s and 30s are just not there. You just can't find them. Right. And, and, and this is a problem. Why? Because once people go to college, they just don't come back. And we have to do our part as Sunday school teachers to ensure that we save the church. Start a college ministry. Do what you can to get the word out there, to spread it, and to save the people, uh, to save the church, really, and, and young folks who are being lost in college. So for me, like I said, I wasn't spiritually prepared for what I was about to embark and see. And... And like I said, I became a college student and I started doing everything that people were doing. But there's a huge problem. There was a huge problem. That problem was my conscience. You understand? Like, I did it. Like, I was I was partying, living it up, going to gatherings, I should say. <laughs> but like, my conscience was like eating me up. Like, it was I, like I couldn't. I couldn't. Like, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew I wasn't supposed to go to these places. I knew this life wasn't for me. And what's more is I hated this feeling. I hated feeling I hated feeling guilty. Like I wanted to live it up and not feel guilty afterwards. I wanted to just relax and have fun like everybody else without feeling like I did something wrong each and every single time. And I did my best. I tried like to avoid prayer. I tried to like not look at my Bible and all these sort of things. But each time I would, I would do this, like I just felt more and more and more and more guilty. And suddenly questions started popping up into my head. Questions I'd never really thought about before. As I'm in my dorm room trying to avoid not going to parties and all this stuff, I would think, you know, what if, what if God didn't exist? Does that mean all this hard work that I'm doing to stay away from sin and, 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 and all these things, that means it's just pointless? Because if God doesn't exist, why am I even trying so hard? Like, who cares? Even if God exists, how do I know he cares about me? How do I know he cares about the things that I'm doing? Are all these things a sin? And I started having all these different questions. So I would say, you know what? I'm just going to go and party. I'm just going to forget about this. I'm just going to live it up. I would go. But then I would feel guilty. And I was stuck in this cycle, this vicious cycle. I would keep going to a party. I would feel guilty about partying. And I would say, wait a minute. Maybe God doesn't exist. And I will start doubting his existence. So then I'll be like, you know, if he doesn't exist, it doesn't matter anyway. And then I'll go to a party. I'll feel guilty. I'll question him. Then I'll, and it was, it was a vicious cycle. And I was just tired. I was tired and I knew I needed to know for myself if God really existed or not. I needed to have that conversation with God. It was time for me to understand who my creator was. It was time for me to understand my relationship and what kind of relationship I should have with God if he existed. So I remember I did a prayer. 
It was a bold prayer, but it was an effective prayer. And I write this. Uh, I write about this in the in the book. And I said, "This is this was the prayer. God, let me know if you exist. You said to knock, and you'll open the door. Well, I'm knocking. So if you don't open the door, it's your fault. And as bold as this prayer was, it was effective. And I meant it. Like I meant it, because I was. If if I knew that God was gonna exist, if if I knew that God existed, I was gonna submit my life to Him. Like I knew there was no turning back. But if He didn't, I just wanted to live my life without feeling guilty or anything like that. And here's the key: after the prayer, I didn't just sit back and just fold my arms and say, "Hey, you know, whatever." But I did my part. I actually went on a quest to find Him. And this is an important point, right? Like after we do our prayer, prayer alone is not sufficient. We actually have to do our part. We actually have to do our part. The Bible verse that most of us like to quote says, "Knock and it shall be opened to you." Absolutely, you have to knock. There's like there's a part for you. You just don't stand by the door and hope that the door is gonna open by itself. You have to knock, do your part, and God will reveal Himself to you. It's going back to the idea of getting to know our parents. If we want to get to know our parents, the first thing we have to do is just ask them, "Who are you?" But after we ask this question, we have to sit long enough to hear the answer. See, most of the time, I find people say, "Who is God?" and they ask God who He is, which is good, but they don't stay long enough to hear the answer that they asked. You see, knocking on the door means reading the Bible. Knocking on the door means going to church. Knocking on the door means being able to attend Bible study services to understand who God truly. Is in my case, I did my investigation. I worked hard. I mean, I read as much as I could. Now, a little background story. So, my undergrad, I did. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineering for undergrad, and like my my brain works in an engineering way. Like everything that I do is just like as an engineer. So I really focus on every single. It was like a mathematical equation thing that I was doing in my head. I was really like. Really pushing myself to understand all these things. The details are in the book. You can read about it. And eventually, I came to the realization: I just can't walk away from this. Like I felt like intellectually, intellectually, I understood that God existed, but I needed to feel Him spiritually. Understand and feeling is different. See, I read as much. I had enough knowledge. I I knew, but I needed to feel Him. So I decided to do a second prayer, and the second prayer went something like this. And I remember it. It was in my college bedroom. It was a small carpet,、uh, and I leaned over my bed and I said, "God, since you've opened the door for me, I'm ready to submit my life to you. I'll go where you tell me to go, and be anything you tell me to be. I will follow you wherever you lead me." This. Was the beginning of my new relationship with God. Emphasis on beginning. Emphasis on beginning. As I write in the book, even after this point in my life, I was doing a sin. I was committing sin. 
I was still going to the places I wasn't supposed to go. See, this is not a movie. This is a real life. Like, I don't know if you guys like listen, watching uh, Christian movies. Like, I like watching Christian movies where, you know, about 80% of the movies, the main character is called Grace, right? Like, that's like all Christian movies. And Grace usually is involved in some type of, like, trouble and, like, near the end of the movie she gets down and and and, you know and she prays and there's usually like a light coming beaming from the window and there's like a cross next to her and this like emotional song being played and then she prays and all that stuff and magically all her problems are solved that's a movie that's a good movie and i encourage people to watch christian movies but this is real life and that's just not what happened at least not to me right? For me, there was still a lot of things to do. This was the beginning of my journey, not the end. And I think there's a lesson here. And the lesson is many people assume that once you pray that all your problems will go away. Or perhaps most people even assume that before you come to church, you need to get rid of all your sins and wrongdoings because once you start a relationship with God, you must live some type of righteous, holy life. And that's just not true. It's a journey that keeps going. A lot of people say, I can't come to God because I still smoke or I still drink or I still fornicate or whatever it is. And I maintain that it's actually the other way around. The point of going to church is to get rid of your sins. What's the point of coming to church if you're perfect? In fact, I always say, if you're righteous and holy, please don't come to church because the church is not for you. Come to church if you're truly feeling like you've done something wrong. The church is a hospital. We come to the church to be healed. The goal of Christianity, I always talk about this. The goal of Christianity is not to avoid doing bad. And this is how we approach Christianity all the time. If you're wondering why you're not like where you need to be in your spiritual life, it might be because you're focusing too much on the negative things that you're doing. No, we have to think about the positive, right? Parents, if you raised your kids to just avoid smoking, avoid drinking, avoid partying, it doesn't mean they guarantee the kingdom of heaven, right? The way we get into the kingdom of heaven is having a good relationship with God, being kind to people, feeding the hungry, visiting the sick, these sort of things that's written in the Bible. And we have to focus our energy on doing good, especially when we're young, we have a lot of energy, see? If you're listening to this podcast, maybe you're in your 20s or 30s, and you're wondering why you can't overcome a sin, it's because you have a lot of energy. Now, instead of focusing on the sin, focus on that energy and tailor it to something positive. Get involved in your local church. Volunteer at a local hospital or something. And do something so that like your energy is used in a positive light. Once you use your energy, you don't have your time for sin. And that's the way that we should approach it. In my situation, once I had a relationship with God, the way that I treated sin was completely different, especially the second time around. For starters, I didn't run away from my guilt. Every time that I went to a gathering or a party, whatever you want to call it, like, and I felt guilty, I ran towards this feeling. In fact, I write about the book. Before I would go to gathering, I would listen to like mazmur, like yenisaha mazmur. And those of you who don't know what it is, it's meant to put you in this sorrow, sorrow, like repentant mood. And that's kind of the idea of, of, of a yenisaha mazmur. And, and I, I, I wanted that. So you can imagine my psyche once I 
arrived at a party after listening to uh, being like this like sad you know Nisaha Mezmur and that's what I wanted I never wanted to feel comfortable with sin from that point on I wanted to be uncomfortable right I wanted to make sure that I felt really bad to the point where I hated it in fact I was having a conversation with my mom and I was telling her everything that I was doing and my mom said hey you know if you're gonna keep doing this pray that God will help you hate the sin this is where we started off from it's important to hate the sin that you're committing and I used to pray God help me hate this lifestyle and it's weird and it's awkward to say that before you're about to do something but I'm telling you until we hate the deed that we're doing we can't overcome our sin and I, I remember the day where I was standing there watching everybody like partying and all this and I said I could be at home watching an episode of The Office right about now. Like, why am I here? And it, it just it was horrible. And again, it's not to say like that after that point, like nothing happened or whatever. It's just to say that I knew at that point, at least that I was battling my temptations with God on my side. I never felt like I was alone. I knew that God was with me. See, now this is my story. What's yours? What's yours? How's your journey going to be to finding God? Whatever it is, I encourage you to keep pushing, to keep moving and find God. The last quick point that I want to say is in, in life, we have mentors that guide us along the way in everything that we do, right? Like athletes have coaches. Uh, even there's life coaches that guide you in towards everything in school. We have teachers and mentors and all this stuff. The same thing is true in our spiritual realm. We have confession fathers who are there to guide us along our way because spiritual life is difficult. And we need someone to mentor us and to show us around. And sure enough, the challenge for this chapter is just to talk to a confession father, not to confess not to confess, but simply to talk to your confession father about the idea of confession. Find a priest at your local church and just talk to them. If you already have a confession father, the challenge is for you to introduce someone who doesn't have a confession father to your priest. It doesn't have to be your boyfriend or girlfriend or anything like that. It's just someone that you know. Introduce your confession father to a friend and just say, hey, this is my friend and so on. And the idea is for them to start interacting. What's your journey going to be like to finding God? Getting right with God was chapter four. I hope that you stay in tune for next week when we talk about fasting time. Again, of course, this is going to be one of uh, an important question because our church, of course, has many fasts. And I hope you're learning uh, a lot. I hope your week is, is blessed and, and you're staying strong. And you're doing your prayers. God willing, we'll meet again for the next chapter. What's Wassalamu alaikum.